Show me the money. Welcome to the MoneyWeb Market Commentator Podcast, where leading investment professionals share their investment insights. Your host, Rake van Welcome to my weekly market commentator podcast where I speak to the leading investment professionals in the country. We try to get an understanding of the perceptions of the markets, of equities, as well as the different asset classes. My guest today is Jacobus Brink. He's the head of investment at Novare's multi-management division. He has been in the industry for nearly 15 years and held several portfolio management positions at APSA. Commerce Bank and First Rand. And his LinkedIn profile also states that he was a musician linked to the Universal Music Group, and I will most certainly ask him about that a bit later. Jakobus, thank you so much for joining me. Novara is an interesting asset manager. It was founded in 2000, so it is around 21 years old. It also has offices in many countries on the continent. It is a level one BEE company. Tell us about Novare and what your core strategy is. Thanks, Rick, and uh, thanks very much for having me. Yeah, Navarre, we've been around for a while. We actually just recently um, celebrated our 21-year birthday. So we were initially founded in 2000 by um, two gentlemen, uh, Derek Roper and Johan Hen. Initially as an actuarial consulting business. Um, and, you know, from there on out in 2001 to 3-ish, we sort of also developed our own in-house um, investment management capability and we initially started with the launch of our flagship fund of edge fund which I'm, I'm sure we'll chat about later um, and that also followed fairly quickly with some global capabilities and um, also a, a local long long only fund of funds then uh, around 2008 we also actually branched out into africa where well, we launched an avarica africa property fund um, that was actually launched in 2010, where we basically started some of the first constructions of, of malls in, in Nigeria. That fund was quickly followed by another fund in 2012. Um, and we've now owned malls in um, the Navarra Apple Mall in Abuja in Nigeria. We've got properties in Mozambique. Botswana. So it's become quite a diverse offering. Um, and, you know, but we still some of our core business is in our, our investment management business. On the other side, we also have an investment consulting arm, uh, which obviously consults with some of the, the larger pension funds in South Africa. And, you know, there's, there's obviously close sort of Chinese walls between all of those various entities. The exposure to Africa is very interesting, especially with the focus on property. We've seen several other property companies actually withdraw from Africa, especially Nigeria. How successful is that fund? If you look at it, you know, since inception, obviously these funds are sort of very much private equity funds and have had initial lockups of about of about 10 years. So initially they were they were quite successful. You know, we were one of the more successful stories out in Africa. But obviously because of the macro scenario in most of the African countries that we've seen over the last two years, especially, we have taken some drawdowns. So, you know, fund one is currently has been extended by investors. You know, we expect hopefully to see some recovery in the in the macroeconomic picture um, and fund two is still obviously ongoing um, you know we've positioned the funds to be we're currently sitting on very very low loan to values we've negotiated new um, 
financing deal with most of our banks. We own premium properties in all of those countries. You know, we did obviously take a bit of a, a knock over the past two years or so, but, you know, we expect to make all of that back as, as the macro picture hopefully starts to improve. Uh, you head up the multi-management division of Navare. Who is it aimed at? Who do you target to invest in your funds? Most of our investors, probably about 95%, is actually institutional investors, so mostly large pension funds. We do also have a small contingent of, of retail investors, but, you know, we offer retail offerings um, as well. So it's not like we only manage these for institutions and they do have minimum subscription amounts. Up until now, it was mostly focused on the institutional market. What is your funds under management? Our total funds under management currently is about in the region of uh, 8 billion rand. So, you know, we're a fairly smallish niche operation still. Of that, um, about uh, 80% is made up of our global funder fund that we manage. That's basically a multi-asset global funder fund. It's domiciled in Jersey. And about the other 15% is in our age fund strategies and the remaining 5% um, in long-only strategies. Let's talk about markets. Uh, we are talking now around lunchtime on Thursday, the 4th of November. Just as a reference, and the JSC also nearly hit a new high this morning, uh, and this is despite Naspers and Proces being down around 1.8% each. Is the local market a bit stronger than what the LC suggests? Yeah, you know, I think um, today is an interesting day because obviously we had the Fed meeting and the statement out last night. And, you know, that just sort of boosted markets, you know, across the globe. So we've seen a big risk of um, a risk on scenario um, this morning. Um, you know, I think we're finally seeing, you know, some of the some of the the names that were a little bit sort of in the dark over the past few months, you know, with some of the, the local macro environment. You know, there's obviously a lot of uncertainty around it. So we've seen some of them come back quite strong, you know, MTNs up, MassMart, Amplat, some of those, you know. And we're starting to get slightly bullish on, on local equities. Um, we recently released a piece where we actually did indicate that, you know, at this stage, we still prefer bonds over equities, purely because of the fact that the yield curve is so steep, and we think there's a lot of value in bonds currently. But there's more and more certainty, sort of, we start seeing in, in the local market as far as the macro picture is concerned. And, you know, we, we are starting to pick up our, our equity exposure um, as we go along. We, we ran quite a, quite a large underweight position for the past 18-odd months, but we've started to increase that position. Slightly bullish, a very interesting term. So you become bullish about the local market, but are you actually changing your asset allocation? We think there's there's still a bit of uh, liquidity that needs to be well flushed out of the system. You know, obviously looking at the U.S. markets particularly. So we do expect you know markets. Obviously, we are sort of nearing the Christmas period, which we seasonally always see the Christmas rally. We do think we could see a little bit of a pullback first. So you know, we're we're sort of keeping a close eye on markets. And you know, because we we obviously manage those funds of ours fairly dynamically, and you know, do make tactical calls there. You know, we are keeping an eye on the market and any any sort of weakness we see from here where we will start upping our equity allocation. Your flagship fund is the Maya Bencha Moderate Qualified Fund of Hedge Funds. A very interesting name. The portfolio size is around 440 million rand. Uh, tell us about this fund, especially the name. Interesting name, Maya Bencha. <laughs> yeah. So Maya Bencha, um, Navarre is actually... Um, it means um, let it be new in Latin. So um, the My Bencha name is actually the causal word for just let it be new. 
So um, obviously, you know, we are a level one contributor, very much focused on that area. Um, and hence, you know, where the name comes from. Yeah, the fund, like I said, you know, this is our longest flagship strategy to be run. For the inception date of the fund, it was the 1st of April, 2003. It is also the, our largest fund by assets under management in, in the local space. Yeah, we've been shortlisted for a number of awards over the years. Um, our latest award that we won was actually... Uh, earlier this year for 2020 um, year with the uh, Beige News Africa Awards, you know. So we're very proud of that in a year that as 2020, you know, where we saw COVID lockdowns, you know, some things we've never seen, at least in our lifetimes. We were quite proud of that. You know, specifically the, the category that we won is judged on best return over an entire 12-month period. So that would have been entire um, 2020 period, provided that the sharp ratio is sort of is within 25% of the ratio of the other um, nominees. So, you know, despite the fact that we've we saw great performance, the fund has also given us that performance at very low um, volatility. Yeah, I'm looking at the fact sheet and in 2020, the fund rose by 13.1%, which is pretty decent. And in 2021, year to date, it has uh, increased by close to 9%. How many hedge funds, funds of funds, are there in, in South Africa? Not a lot, you know, and we've actually, we sort of took the view that post-2016, when the hedge fund, you know, started started being uh, regulated by Cisco, that we would, um, you know, start to see some more inflows into the space, but we've actually seen the opposite, you know, we've seen... Um, funds closing down. So no, at the moment, not a lot of offerings around, you know, and we're especially proud of the fact that, you know, we've been around since 2003 and still going strong and, you know, still reaping in the, the awards. Obviously, a multi-manager invests in other fund managers as funds, so you don't manage your own fund. And your fact sheet also reveals that you are invested through several other asset managers or hedge fund managers, uh, 361, ABEX, uh, Acumen, Catalyst Fund Managers, uh, is there Coronation, uh, Matrix, uh, several of the big South African hedge fund managers. Is this a strategy to be broadly diversified? Because it seems like you are invested in the majority of the hedge fund managers in the country. So the, the names you see there is purely obviously the name of the investment house, you know, so obviously underneath those, they do run more than more than one strategy. But yes, in each of our funds, you know, we have three risk profile funds. This one is obviously well, our balanced risk profile. So we're trying to beat inflation by three and a half percent, but we want to do it with substantially less volatility than the JSE and, you know, typically something more in the region of bond. Um, and then, you know, that we've obviously achieved since inception as well. So, you know, the the view we take here is um, because it's a multi-strategy fund, you know, we bucket certain of the underlying strategies, call it equity, long, short, fixed income, arbitrage into various buckets based on the return distribution that they have historically exhibited. And because of this, you know, we, we don't only have a fund that's only invested in equity, long, short or only in equity market neutral. All of our funds are multi-strategy and are invested across those strategies. Hence the reason why, you know, there are quite a number of underlying managers in the fund because each of these managers actually brings something specific to the fund, something specific that we look at. You know, there's obviously 
equity market neutral is a fairly broad category. And, you know, within those, there are guys that manage money in a number of different ways, you know. Despite the fact that we might have four equity market neutral managers in the fund, each of them has a very different management style, you know, they target sort of different return profiles. Um, and that's what we're sort of looking to um, gain access to, you know, in these funds in order to generate alpha at a, at a substantially lower return. What is the risk profile of this fund in comparison to, say, a normal equity fund? So, you know, as I mentioned, we manage the fund with the idea of giving investors, you know, substantially less risk if you measure it by volatility or maximum drawdown than than equity funds. So despite the fact that we do have equity exposure, it's obviously not only purely long only exposure. And, you know, so the fund is much more conservative when it comes to um, its return and risk profile versus equities. Then another thing that is really interesting is the total investment charge. Now, everybody in South Africa, one of the first things they do when they look at a fund fact sheet is go and look what the total investment charge is. And yours is 4.5%. That seems to be very, very high. How do you justify such a charge? So that charge obviously does um, include a performance fee. Um, as you know, most stage fund managers, if not all of them, do charge performance fees. We don't mind paying performance fees because we do think it aligns our interest and the investor's interest with the fund manager's interest. And the reason for this very large um, charge currently is the fact that we had to pay so much performance fees over the past 18 months specifically. You know, most of our managers we are invested with did very, very well. And because of that, you know, we were able to generate these great returns. So, yes, there is, is a bit of a, a performance fee that, that we also take for yeah, performing our benchmark, um, but the majority of that is performance fees from the underlying managers. So, typically, you know, managers charge a 1.5% management fee and around a 15% performance fee. That has come down in some cases to about 1% and a 10% performance above their benchmark. But, you know, because of the fact that we've been around so long and we do have very good relationship with these managers, we are typically able to negotiate better fees. So yes, it might look high, but the reason it's so high is because, you know, the managers underlying has been doing what we've been selecting them to do. Do you think, and I know most hedge funds are expensive, there are significant performance fees payable, but do you think it is sustainable because there is such a big move away from IFIs in the, the broader collective investment industry? Do you think in 10 years' time we'll still see these type of fees? Yeah, well, you know, there's obviously been a, a large move, you know, away from, from such high fees. So that might continue going forward, you know. But at the end of the day, we don't mind paying performance fees. As I mentioned, you know, if, if the managers we are invested with, if their mandate is to give us double what the Aussie does and they give us four times what the Aussie does, then I suppose it's not bad to pay that extra fee because you've really earned an extra return on it. You know, so I understand that it's a difficult one, you know, just looking at a fact sheet and thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, this this fund's investment charge is four and a bit percent. But we've still achieved in a year where, you know, we saw massive drawdowns like last year, we, we still achieved 13.1%. Um, and if you look at it in March of 2020, when the market took a real bath, this fund was down minus three, three 
7.5%. It is difficult to almost to justify these type of fees when we're only seeing a raging bull market like we have over the past 10 years. I mean, there's obviously been a lot of excess, you know, liquidity going around, you know, and um, and investors forget that, you know, we, we could see another 2008 and, you know, have a, a massive drawdown of 30 or 50% here. And, you know, that's, I think, where these strategies also typically, you know, shine through very, very well. And at, at the end of the day, you get what you pay for, you know, those, like I mentioned, those fees are so high because of the fact that the performance has been so good. And as I mentioned, 2008, you know, this fund lost 6% in 2008. And, you know, we've never been an advocate of, you know, just invest all of your retirement money in, in our age fund, you know, but we do, these funds definitely have a place in any investor's portfolio. And especially with the fact now that retail investors can also invest in them. So despite the fact that it's, yes, the, the fees are high, the net returns, however, are very good. And if you look at these funds, you know, from a diversification point of view, as I mentioned, you know, if you sit with a 100% equity allocation, you would have taken a 50% bath in 2008, where if you had included a fund like this, it would obviously have cushioned that blow. And that's, that's what we're advocating. I just want to return to the strategy allocation. Uh, you've got uh, equity long short, uh, the exposure around 30%, uh, equity market neutral, uh, 24%. And then fixed income arbitrage, that's the biggest allocation, nearly 36%. What is fixed income arbitrage? <laughs> that's a very good question because um, I think if you ask three different managers, okay, so you fixed income arbitrage managers, what do you actually do? All three of them will probably give you a different answer. So just coming back to, as you mentioned, you know, equity long shorts, 30%, equity market neutral is 23%. We see obviously see those as both sort of drawing their alpha from the equity market. So, you know, if you're on a look-through basis and you include some of the multi-strategy funds, our equity allocation is a little bit higher if you if you just want to look at it from that basis. So, no, the fixed income arbitrage is, is not necessarily the biggest um, allocation in this fund. But, you know, fixed income arbitrage is basically, in layman's terms, they can pretty much use any strategy that the underlying is any fixed income instrument. So whether it be a bond, a pref share, um, you know, corporate uh, credit that they invest in and and the arbitrage it's a bit of a misnomer um, because you know there are so so many underlying types of strategies that the guys follow um, that are sort of more of a catch-all phrase so we have some of our managers fixed income arbitrage managers that are very much macro focused so you know they'll take very much a large sort of global macro view based on that you know they would take specific sort of positions in you know we think this this country or the South Africa as one, you know, we're seeing the yield curves very steep, so the, the long end, shorter end of the curve, you know, so there's there's a multitude of strategies, but it basically comes down to, you know, trying to generate alpha using fixed income instruments in what form, the whatsoever, basically. Interesting. Then just lastly, tell us about Jacobus, the musician. <laughs> Yeah, so, so um, no, I've been making music my entire life, and uh, in 2015, me and two friends decided to start a band. You know, we to add some extra money on our on our hands, and we decided to record an an album. And you know, we we went through the proper channels, you know, proper recording studio, 
And but it was all sort of just for us and for fun, you know. And we released our first single with a video on YouTube. And about three hours later, um, Universal Music phoned me and said they would like to meet us. Um, and so we subsequently signed a, a deal with them. And yeah, from there, you know, I actually took some time off to make music professionally. And um, But to the, the life of a musician is very boring. You know, you've got a lot of time in your hands during the week and then obviously do a lot of gigs over the weekend. And I just figured, you know, I can obviously still be involved in, in the investment world and make music. So no, very much still in the music scene, you know, releasing a few songs every now and again. Also being the head of investments at Navarra, I think the, the, the balance keeps me keeps me sane. <laughs> yeah, I think many people will say a musician's life could probably be a lot more interesting than a multi-manager's um, life. But <laughs> what instrument do you play or are you on, on vocals? Yeah, I'm actually a singer, but I, but I also play um, uh, guitar and piano and some bass guitar every now and again, a bit of percussion. So I started playing piano when I was seven years old, so it's, it's, it's been pretty much part of my life <laughs> up until now. <laughs> well, hopefully the music keeps on playing for your investors. <laughs> uh, Jakobus, thank you so much for your time today. That was Jakobus Brink. He is the head of investments at Novare's multi-management division. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Market Commentator Podcast, where leading investment professionals share their investment insights. Hosted by Rake Fonica. For more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates. <laughs>